Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. DoorDash is facing a lawsuit claiming the food delivery service charges iPhone users more than identical deliveries than Android users. Google Photos, after misidentifying black men as gorillas back in 2015, disabled the ability to categorize apes, and eight years later still hasn't turned the ability back on. Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which frees companies from liability due to user-generated content on their platforms, kind of sort of got tested in the Supreme Court last week. And just when you thought your data was safe from the state, unless it got a warrant compelling companies to hand it over, the authorities can just buy it from data brokers. We've got all this and more for you in Episode 84 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Step. And y'all probably noticed that there's only two of us this week. And uh, Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, is not here. So we don't have our traditional a.k.a. Don't come for us. The man is out this week. I, I, right. I know y'all like the a.k.a. Shoot, it has me and Stephanie shook when we don't hear it. But right. I know y'all like it. Don't send this hate mail. He actually is not here. That's why we're not doing the AKA this week. There is no AKA. Right. <laughs> so I remember it's been a minute since he decided he wasn't going to do it. And the internet said, nah, son, <laughs> you better come back with the, man. Uh, you know, the things pretty, pretty quick. But anyway, how was, how was your week? It was okay. Uh, you know, life be life. And so. I know you, you know, you, you say you're not uh, a, a big sports fan, um, but was you, was you at least, did you shed a little tear for, uh, f- for your team, for Philly? You upset because, I mean, because Doc had to, had to get up out I, of there? I'm upset because they blew it. I mean, they should have won game six and that should have been it, but they just, you know, they did so well in game five and then just blew it. And then like really blew it with game seven. It's just like, uh, Sixers, Sixers, Sixers. They already talk about Harden's leaving, and I think somebody else might be leaving. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I can't remember. Well, I don't. I, well, I don't. I don't remember because I don't think it's happened in our lifetimes. I think you have to go back to the '50s to the last time you had two NBA series, uh, conference championships that were both three zero. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. But anyway, right. let's get into some tech. Before we do, though. We did something last week that we had never done before. I actually put an appeal out for listeners who rock with the show to actually share the show with someone else. And you know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. But we asked last week, and I, I'm not going to say it's all attributed to us asking y'all to share the show, but we had, you know, based on what our numbers normally are, our, you know, our downloads are up about 11% over what they normally are with normal growth. So I was like, okay, what did you do different? I said, hey, folks, if you rock with the show, tell somebody about the show. So, you know, I'm sure enough going to do that again. If you rock with the Tech John, please tell somebody about the Tech John. That is the number one way 
that uh, most podcast listeners say they find out about new shows. They actually hear it word of mouth, whether it be they hear it on another podcast, they hear somebody that they follow on a podcast on another show or simply somebody telling him, hey, you need to go check this podcast out. So if you would do us the solid and tell somebody, you know, you think that would enjoy the show to go check out the tech, John, we would much appreciate you. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. So uh, this first story that we're going to jump into, um, we're going to tech, you know, just kick our discussion off talking a little bit about DoorDash and how allegedly it looks like they are charging iPhone users more than Android users for the exact same deliveries. I mean, like, you know, if you got an iPhone, you get charged more. If you have an Android device, you get charged less. So uh, DoorDash is wild. I'm, I'm saying allegedly, but this does not look good for them at all. No, uh, there is a current class action lawsuit um, against DoorDash for for two things, actually. So, number one, they are charging. Well, they are allegedly charging people, charging iPhone users more than Android users for the same order, same um, location, same everything. DoorDash has been allegedly tacking on additional delivery fees um, to iPhone users. But uh, the lawsuit is alleging that the studies reveal, because studies reveal iPhone users typically earn more money than Android users, DoorDash has decided to capitalize on that um, and, and charge them more money. These Second part of the lawsuit talks about the Dash Pass subscription. So the Dash Pass subscription is a $10 a month subscription where you get free delivery on orders over $12. So they compared somebody who made an order with a Dash Pass subscription, somebody who made an order without a Dash Pass subscription, same exact order, going to the same exact place. The order with the Dash Pass subscription was charged more money. They kind of tacked on this um, extended range fee or some other type of delivery service fee, basically to make up for the fact that they had to give that person free uh, delivery because they have this Dash Pass uh, membership. So either way, it ain't looking good for Dash Pass. They they trying to make just money hand over fist. And I went and looked at their list of fees. There is a minimum of six different fees that get tacked onto your order when you order from Dash Pass. And they have said that that list is no by no means exhaustive. So there could be any number of other fees because the, the, the seventh fee is quote unquote other fees, which they don't delineate, which can be anything. So the idea that people are paying, like I, I don't, I'm not really a Uber Eats, DoorDash kind of person. Um, when I'm traveling, sometimes I'll do it if I don't want to leave my hotel and you know there just aren't places around me um that are close to get to from my hotel but i don't fool with that stuff because it's just it's too much money it's too much money and now they're trying to get you for you know a couple extra dollars for no reason and there's a lot of restaurants that they have their own delivery services that they'll use that are just they're just better (laughs) they're just better i'm not going to say that i never use doordash or uber eats but i never use it when it's my money it's always because usually I've gotten a gift card or, you know, like my, my wife, uh, you know, she works 100 percent remote now, but they have meetings all the time. And when she was in the office, they used to, uh, you know, cater these lunches and stuff like that that they would have. Well, they still do that. So they'll just 
send you like a $25 Uber Eats card and you can order your own lunch, have it come for, you know, for the time of your meeting. So that's usually how I'm getting it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking crumbs from my wife's lunch um, when she does that. But this is just horrible. It's like what you buy a subscription because, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you money up front to get deliveries for free. So there's, there, there's 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 definitely opportunity for people to pay that ten dollars or you know whatever the fee is and not use it. So, but that still comes off your credit card every single month. They're gonna charge Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But then you use this like, oh, you know what? I wasn't expecting these people to use the thing that they actually paid for. So we got to go ahead and charge them anyway. Yep. And then, like I said, the other the other one is 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 that's just evil. It's like, well, we think iPhone users have more money. If that one is true, it's like we go charge the people who got it like that more because they got it like that. And that's not cool. And then it's like, how would you ever know? You know what I mean? Like, unless you lived in a household with somebody that had an Android phone and, and y'all have done, like there, it, it, and it's, and it, cause it, it's, it's such a little bit amount of money. Like it's, it's a dollar here, a dollar and some change there. Um, but the principle is, is the thing. And so you wouldn't really necessarily notice like, wow, this seems unusually high. This, this, you know, delivery fee or this service charge or what I'm paying total for my order seems unusually high. That's, but that's how they get you. You know, you figure however many millions of, of iPhone users in the country and you getting a dollar and some change off of each of them just by virtue of them having an iPhone, like that adds up to a lot of money. And adds up to a whole crazy. lot of money. Crazy. And what I imagine is the way somebody figured it out was you had a group of people that had some folks had iPhone, some folks had Android and they were getting the same over order over and over again. Like, why does yours always cost more? Right. And then it was probably somebody at a, you know, I don't want to say a tech company, but somebody who uses Excel and they started putting that stuff in a spreadsheet. And it's like, huh, this, these are some interesting trends right here. I, w- I wonder what's going on every time, every time Bobby orders, it's like 1.2% more than, you know, than, uh, you know, than, than when Jane orders. Why is that? Oh, Jane uses an Android device. Bobby uses iPhone. Right. Every time. Now, and I will say, you know, just, anecdotally it does seem like people that use these services a lot i guess do have the type of disposable income where they probably aren't going to notice you know a dollar or two here or there i have a friend you know if, if she's listening uh she'll know who she is but yeah, i'm not gonna call no names out but literally she told me she had she spent two thousand dollars last month on DoorDash. Two, two, I thought you were going to say last year. Last no, month? Last month. Last month. And and I and I was Whoa. trying to wrap my head around how that could be. And it could be because she she has a fiance. So she get if you order dinner every single day from DoorDash for two people with all the fees and requisite charges, you could get because because it works out two thousand dollars a day works out to be about sixty dollars a, a day two thousand dollars for the month works out to be about sixty dollars a day i did the math because it blew my mind too so it works out to be about sixty dollars a day um and if and if it's two people for dinner you know what i mean even if it's just wow. two people for dinner it could be sixty dollars a day you got two grand a month you could almost hire yourself a chef 
you could do anything. You could hire somebody to cook all your meals, bring them in to the house, deliver them to the house. You know, my mom was like, look, tell her I will cook for her and bring and, and show up every day with a hot meal. And, you know, I told her, I was like, girl, if you don't get your butt to the grocery store and stop tripping, but they, you know, she doesn't cook. It's just the convenience of the whole thing for them. And, and, and again, you know, one dinner, you know, a dinner a day or maybe dinner and lunch five days a week. And, you know, the other on the weekends you go out. I don't know. But but yeah, that is that is nuts. So we're going to definitely have to stay tuned to this story because my gut tells me that if, if they, like I said, this is all allegedly right now. Nothing has been proven in court, but they're going to get smacked if this if this is what they're doing. Because people the already don't like is, them. So the lawsuit is asking for monetary damages of no less than one billion dollars for all consumers who fell prey to DoorDash's illegal pricing scheme over the past four years. So they going in. They going in. A billion dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's nuts. That's nuts. So Tech Life Steph, do you remember about a year ago this time, we were talking about the Google Pixel 6. Now, the 7 just was announced, and actually the Duo, the Pixel Duo was just announced at uh, Google I.O. just last week or week before last. I can't remember when it was. But last year, we really talked about uh, the new phone, and we talked about something on it called Realtone, where Google mm-hmm. was the first phone manufacturer to truly try to get color science to actually work for people of color that, you know, you, you would think that this is something that somebody tried to figure out well before 2022, but not really. Yeah. And we said that one of the reasons that Google was really putting their big toe into getting this right was because back in 2015, when they launched Google Photos, Google Photos came out. Everybody was raving about how great it is and how it can, you know, it can automatically categorize people. It's basically doing facial recognition to tell who a person is. And I mean, it could even tell that, you know, here's a picture of you as a child. This is also you as an adult. It was really good at what it was doing, except for if you were African American. Right? Oh, let me say African American. If you were just a darker toned person and there were two bras who were playing around with it and they realized that they actually got categorized as gorillas. And it it caused all kind of embarrassment for Google, as it should have. Google got read the riot act as they should have, because you should have made sure that before you released this, that it wasn't doing this kind of stuff. But long story short, that was in 2015. Do you know that today that Google nor does Apple or Amazon, do they actually rank anything as a primate or as a gorilla? They are still doing it. So my question, the reason I wanted to bring this up is that, is it because the AI is not good enough or is it just that, you know what? We saw what happened to Google when this happened and we ain't, how, we ain't, we ain't going down the roads no first more. Of all, how is the AI not good enough at this point? We got AI that is fooling other humans into thinking it's human, but mm-hmm. it's not good enough to recognize a person from a, from a gorilla. Oh, it's only going like, to be as good as what you train it on. And, and so, but that, and that's the, and that's the problem. Like at this point, because you know that that's the issue, why haven't you done better training? Like I, I don't understand it. So that's the question. Is it because they, you know what? We're not certain that we've trained it on enough diverse faces so that it never makes this kind of mistake again. Or we pretty much people know what gorillas and, you know, and, you know, primates are. We're not, you know, we're just going to let them figure them out for themselves. Everything else we got you on that. We are simply just not going to ever make that kind of mistake because I remember back when that happened, 
you had a whole lot of folks. Um, I will never use Android again. I will never get, I, I will never use Google photos. Folks was, they were literally leaving the platform because it had done this because I mean, that, that is egregious. When you, when you look at all the tropes that there are, particularly here in the States about African Americans looking like monkeys and looking like apes, there is no way that they should have ever been able to release something that could potentially do that. I don't want to read the riot act for them again because they did do better. You know, I, I will give, we talked about that last year. They did get better at this stuff, but I'm just thinking it's like, it's been eight years. You still have not been able to figure out how to tell the difference between black people and, you, and, and apes. You decide to just disable the feature altogether, basically as a, mm-hmm. as a response like that. That's not the way to do things like just taking the, identification of primates off the table altogether is not a solution and and it and it shouldn't have been a solution for this long i could see maybe temporarily doing that but but where we where we at five years out now six years out now like the fact that this is not solved means that you have not made it a priority to solve which is a which is a problem which is just a problem Alex, i I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist but why would you not tag things that you can clearly tag unless you can't clearly tag them? So to me, that tells me that there's a problem because the only way that you're going to mistake a person for, you know, a monkey or an ape is because you just simply have not fed your algorithm enough diverse data. So it, to me, this is almost saying something about you, regardless of whether it's not working yet or you haven't gotten it working yet. Because in my mind, the only reason it's not working is because you haven't trained it to work properly. This, so that's what I'm saying. It's just yeah, willful yeah. ignorance at this point. But I just I thought it was interesting that Apple says, well, we, you ain't going to find us calling nobody, uh, you know, a monkey. You know, you, ain't gonna, you know, right. now what Apple, they do do something a little different if if they actually see a picture and it has the word monkey, ape, primate in the actual picture. They can find it on the picture. Um, they will go ahead and categorize it as such. I don't think Google's doing that. Uh, Apple's at least going that far. And I guess that if for whatever reason, if it ever did get mis- no, mistagged, they can say, well, we actually scanned the word in there. And that's why it's coming up, not because of the picture, but because of what's in the word. Yeah, we know. Wink, wink. I get what happened. But at least that is that is a viable excuse to where I can say, oh, yeah, that actually makes sense. It's picking up the word ape off of ape, because what was interesting is that, well, if it says ape, it'll t- tell you that it's an ape. If it says monkey, it'll tell you that it's a monkey. It's not making any decisions. It's actually reading it and telling you what the word right. is, uh, you know, when it sees the picture. So um, but Google's not even doing that. It's just like, nah, we touched that fire one time. We ain't we ain't even trying to go back. It's like we're just going to eat. We're we going to be a raw vegan going forward, not eating food right. this the, hot. The, the third rail yeah. of, of facial recognition, basically. And it's just like do better. Just there's there are enough pictures out on the Internet now of, of people of color that this really should not be an issue at this point. And the fact that it is, is just their again, their willful ignorance and 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 disregard of of the issue. So I'm going to throw you an audible just since we're talking about facial recognition and just, uh, you know, and AI and stuff that it can do. I was having a Twitter conversation with a couple of people uh, over the last week, and it actually started to get me to look at some it's some data on this, but all of this new AI, it has a little bit of issue with, uh, let's, you know, I would say African-American colloquialisms or African-American vernacular English. So basically 
And uh, this is not my saying, uh, it's someone else's saying, but I ain't coach what you try to talk to some AI. They need to get better. Um, And and it just made me think, it's like, you know what? Yeah. If you haven't done a lot of training on this, it's, it's going to, it's going to be problematic. Now I did like, this is, this is some completely unscientific testing that I have done um, for an awful lot of things. Chat GPT is way better than Bard is for um, an awful lot of things. But in this particular area, Bard was better. So I literally typed in, um, you know, my, my query was something to the effect of translate or, or, or create a better sentence. Or how did I say it? Create a Victorian English style sentence for the following. If I got to tell you one more again, I'm going to smack the taste out your mouth. Bard actually got that. It was like, if I have to tell, you know, you know, if I must tell you one more time, smacked, will you be in the face or something like that? It it actually got what I was saying. Right. Um, Chat GPT. It literally simply didn't get it. And then I actually went and looked at some um, some Reddit uh, tests that, you know, people were testing the stuff in Reddit. They were talking about uh, like it was uh, who uh, who be eating cookies on Sesame Street like that. Um, and it, it, you know, one came back and it actually told you about what Sesame street is. The other one came back and actually told you that it was cookie monster. So this is something that they're going to have to actually, uh, you know, look at now, once again, I am using very, very broken English to do it, but right. it's getting Southern dialects is getting, you know, it's getting French quarter dialects is, is getting that what it is not getting specifically is, you know, uh, you know, colloquialisms that, you know, a lot of folks who look like us would actually use. So it'll be interesting to see how they train it. I think that that should not be a terribly difficult thing for them to do, because if all these things are doing is scanning all available data, well, there's a whole lot of written stuff that they can scan that has people like us to talk like we talk, and it should be able to train off of that. And maybe that's why uh, Bard is, which is Google's, uh, which is doing it a little mm-hmm. bit, um, you know, uh, more effectively than maybe what ChatGPT is, just because they have such a wealth of information that they can pull from based off the way that people search. But I just, I just thought that was interesting. We, we, we're definitely going to come back and talk about that when I can get more information on it, because that that is very interesting. Because eventually, what you're going to see with all of these things, it's not going to be you typing something in. It's going to be you just talking to your phone. It's going to be like talking to Siri. And or, you know, or talking to I'm not going to say the name, but the assistant I have with it, it starts with a G and an O and an O and a G and an L and E. Um, it'll just be you're talking to it. So do you have to talk to it in your mama's telephone voice or can you and just the, talk to the, it like the, you talk in the king in the king's English? So Ray, so Ray makes a, a, an interesting point. She said, I'm not sure I want it to be able to do that um, so people can put on a black scent. Which, you know, we've seen happen. Um, and, you know, with the way that you people are using AI now to regenerate other people's voices, celebrity voices and stuff like that, you know, can you do it and say, have this person speak in AAVE, you know, and, and, and be sort of stereotypical and, and, and mocking in a mocking way, um, because you have that data in there to, to, to replicate. That's actually a good point. And it just reminds me, I will make a note for something we're going to talk about in the after party because we got another woman out there, Rachel Dolezalan. And I just, I just don't understand it, but we're going to say that for the, we're going to say that for the after party. I did want to get to this section 230 stuff 
that is going on with the Supreme Court of the United States and Google and who was the other plaintiff here? Twitter. Not plaintiff, tw- Twitter. So in two cases last Thursday, the Supreme Court of the United States kind of sort of rejected clarifying the breadth of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which frees companies from liability due to user generated uh, content on their platforms. So the reason I say they kind of sort of did this is because the way basically there's two cases. The cases are very similar. Um, it was definitely uh, both of them were for someone being killed in terrorist uh, activity mm-hmm. or the the terrorists actually took responsibility and said, yes, this was us. We did this. And essentially what you have in, in two cases, the, the first one is Twitter versus I believe this is to Omni to Omni um, is the name. It's T-A-A-M-N-E-H. And the court didn't consider Section 230 as the platform's failure to remove such content. I mean, this is something that uh, Justice Thomas actually wrote the uh you know, you know, wrote the opinion on this, but it was not enough to establish liability for aiding and abetting, which he said required plausible allegations that they gave, such as knowing and, you know, knowing and having substantial assistance to ISIS that they culpably participated in these attacks. So basically right. what he's saying is that we're not going to even look at the 230 stuff because it doesn't meet the criteria for them being even liable for the stuff that you're saying that they did. So, right. so, you know, so to, to go back and tell what the story is, is that you basically had a young man that was killed in a bombing and what, you know, they're, they're, this law team is doing is they're suing Twitter saying that Twitter, there's information on your, you know, on your platform that you didn't filter out where you actually have people who are talking about uh, ISIS who are recruiting, you know, recruiting, into ISIS training, and doing all the right. training and all these kind of things. And you didn't do anything to pull that data down. And now our son gets killed. So we're suing you for that. And with Thomas and this was, uh, you know, one of those things to where it wasn't like a, a left, right, you know, wing of the uh, of the court. Basically, this was I think it was eight. Oh, it was unanimous for the for the judges that actually uh, voted on it um, or ruled on it. Um, they're saying that you just didn't have enough information for us to hold them liable. So there's no reason for this even to look at Section 230. And then the other case, which is Gonzalez versus Google, where once again, it's another young man who got killed in in a nightclub in a terrorist attack. They're basically suing for essentially the same things. But they're saying in this case, you don't even meet the requirements that we would even look at this. So we're going to even push we're going to push this back down to the appeals court. And then you actually go and, you know, and and let them deal with it and, and figure it out. In both cases, they never addressed Section 230. And so you have a lot of people saying this is like an assault to our, you know, our freedoms and this and that and the other. Um, I don't know that that's the case because it never, they never actually got to the point to where they would talk about 230. You still don't know how the court would rule on that. Um, right. I wanted to get your take on what you thought about this. Well, it was interesting because, you know, I, I on one hand, I, I'm not going to say I agree with the Supreme Court, but they, you know, in, in Thomas's argument or, or defense or, whatever they call what he writes to, you know, counter what they do. Um, he talked about the idea that, um, cause I think in the Google case, part of it was also that, um, YouTube was recommending certain things to people, uh, which was also recommending and auto playing certain content to people mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, sucked them in and, and, and took them down that rabbit hole, um, that we all go down. But the idea was that, you know, the, the, the pushback that he, he wrote in his dissent was that 
they do that for all content, not just terrorist content. I guess if it was a situation where only terrorist content was the content that was being recommended, um, they may have a case. But the fact that the algorithm recommends whatever you search for, it just pushes more of that to you. Um, that's not the algorithm's fault. The algorithm, I guess, is working the way the algorithm was intended to work. You went on searching for specific content and you got what you were looking for. So in, in that instance, I can kind of see how you may not hold um, the platforms accountable. Um, however, it's it still, I, we still need to do something about Section 230 because I think it uh, disincentivizes moderation on these platforms if they know mm-hmm. that they are basically immune um, to, to any of the content that's on there. I say that though with, this caveat, uh, because in the, in the New York Times piece, um, that I was reading about this, um, he, he threw some stats in there for context and said, it appears that for every minute of the day, approximately 500 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube, 510,000 comments are posted on Facebook and 347,000 tweets are sent on Twitter. For every minute of every day. minute, yes, every so minute. So the idea, yeah. the idea that any content could ever be moderated in a way that would be satisfactory um, to 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 anybody, and and none of this content would ever slip through the cracks and, and things like that, is is just not a realistic thing to to you know hold on to. So it. It kind of just sucks, basically. Yeah, and, and like I said, depending on which side of the spectrum you fall on, you can see that this is the most horrible thing in the world on both sides, or it actually, it's it's not as bad as it could be on both sides. Because, right. like I said, some folks are saying, well, the issue here is that these just were the wrong cases to test two thirty. Right. You, you know, if you you know, why would we go and test uh, a law to see whether or not the law needs to be modified in any way? If these cases don't rise up to the point to where 230 even comes into play, they don't meet the standard. So that part I actually get is like because, you know, like I said, we're so we're so partisan and so divided. You just don't expect the court to, you know, to, you know, for them to go everybody to say this is yeah, this is right down. It's not right down the middle. It is basically everybody felt that, yes, they don't have enough information or there's not enough data. There's not enough that happened here for this to kick in to where we should even look at it. If everyone is saying that, then probably that is the case because, you know, clearly there is a slant on that court, but you still have some, you know, some justices that lean the other way and they all lean the same way on this. So from that standpoint, I say, well, maybe they can come back and they can actually test it when they have a better case. We will have to see, but I know that Google and Twitter, they're sweating bullets. They do not want this to get tested because ultimately one of the other things that I think that was in Justice Thomas's opinion was that if we were to do this, then you could go back for every terrorist attack that has happened while these social media platforms existed and find them liable exactly. for those as well. Exactly. So, um, I, I think that they're going to be yeah, very careful with making sure that if we are going to look at this, we're going to look at it for something that it absolutely legally makes sense for us to look at it. And if that is what yeah. they're doing, I can't complain with that. I, I'm with you. I kind of wish they would because we need better protections. 
But that's only one third of government. There's still another third that has a whole lot of folks in it, like 100 in the right. Senate and 500. <laughs> what is it? 542 in the in the House or something like that. They can actually make laws. They can, be doing they, they can make they they can change laws that they've already made. They don't have to wait for the Supreme Court to weigh in on. You know, they can say we want to make a law. The Supreme Court only weighs in if somebody challenges the law. But, yeah, know, they can actually make laws. So much they, like right. So yeah, they can much actually like you know, right. figure out how to fix this. Out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So one of these other things, Steph, that we need to talk about is Meta and this fine that they are now facing in the EU. They are facing a 1.3% billion euro that's like 1.407 million dollar or, or, or billion dollar uh, fine so 1.4 billion american dollars 1.3 billion euros uh fine for gdpr uh style uh compliance issues and one of the things that it's not just uh meta and facebook this is pretty much all international companies that are based here in the united states or anywhere in the world they share their data wherever they're headquartered. So in, I believe it was in 2020, the agreement that we had between the, you know, between the European Union and the United States on how data would, you know, how data would actually be shared back and forth actually expired. And, you know, we didn't actually go and put a new one in. I wonder why that happened, but, you know, but that did happen back in, uh, in, in late 2020. So essentially what is happening here is that when I, when I read this story, I was like, Wow, Facebook, Cambridge Analytica wasn't enough for you. You still out here sharing data. That's not what they're doing. They're not sharing data with other entities. They're sharing data with themselves. So essentially, if you have a Facebook account in the EU, once GDPR went into to effect, it became illegal for even your own company to send data to itself outside of the confines of the European Union where these laws are, are kicking in. Facebook continued to basically work as they always had to where, well, we're based here. All the data is here in the U S and uh, now the EU is saying, nah, son, that's not how this works. Uh, we want $1.3 billion and you have to cease how you're doing this. So now it's not right. just meta. 
all companies are saying, our United States, you need to get back on this and, you know, and, and basically come up with a new law or, you know, or, or I, I'm not sure what the word is, but, you know, get the old one that was on the books that you allowed to expire, get something back on there so that we can continue to do business. Because why would you, why would they hit Facebook first? Because Facebook is the biggest target that's going to be the easiest right. to get this kind of, uh, revenue from, um, you know, or, or, or this kind of, uh, not settlement, this kind of fine from, but there's no reason for them to go hit every other company that is also doing the same things that Facebook was doing. You've got users in the UK or in the, you know, or in the European union and they've got data over there. And that data somehow ends up on your home base servers in the United States. Uh, there should be something in place to protect these companies from that. And this, and the specific sticking point of it, I don't think is necessarily that the data is on our servers is that, um, EU citizens can't challenge United States surveillance law. So because in their in their own countries in, within the European Union, if they, you know, see something they want taken down, if they want to challenge how data is being collected, how their data is being collected, they can make that challenge and the, and the company has to respond to that. We don't have anything like that over here mm-hmm. still um, in, in 2023. You know, the United States still does not have any sort of comprehensive privacy protections for their citizens, which is insane and ridiculous. Um, so because somebody from the EU wouldn't be able to challenge how the data was being handled in this country, then you can't take the data. You know, and, and I mean, that, that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. and it was interesting to me that, um, you know, this has gotten to the point where Meta is actually considering suspending service in the EU until this gets worked out. And it, it's so crazy that you would rather, you know, not do business in, in an entire conglomeration of, of, of countries, um, then, be better with people's data. You know what I mean? You could just do better with people's data and give everybody those same type of protections that, that GDPR requires of you. But that would be too much like right too, I guess. Yeah. When you think about that, that the European union, when you, when you take all those countries, um, put them together as one entity, the way that this is happening here, that's, that's bigger than the United States. This is like Facebook saying, we're not going to do business in North America anymore. Right. Um, that 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 is that is a huge huge deal uh, for them. So yeah, I think that uh, this is one where the you know the the politicians they they really need to figure out how are we going to go and reauthorize what we had or uh, you know create something new that is going to uh, you know that is basically going to take into account what the the law changes in the U in the EU have uh, you know you know which ones have come about since uh, GDPR. Um, because this is what this is all based off of. But I was like, this is this is like one of the biggest, uh, you know, fines in the history of fines. One point four billion dollars, one point three billion euros. That is a big whopping fine. I actually want to look to see how much money does Facebook make? And they make a lot. But this is pushing two percent of what they make in a year in, in one fine. So some folks are saying, oh, that's not that bad. And it's like, you know how many dump trucks of gold bullion you'd have to, <laughs> you'd have to, uh, you know, uh, purchase to move $1.4 billion uh, worth right. of gold. So yeah, it's, it's a huge fine. And like I said, this is one where I will kick 
Facebook all the time when they're down. But I don't know that this one is purely just on Facebook. I think this is we have to actually figure out how we want to get this law reenacted or, or, or these rule. I don't even know if they're laws. Is it a law yeah, or is it, was, it a rule? It was like, it, there was like rule, an agreement, an agreement between the United States and the EU around this whole thing um, that, you know, needs to be put back into place, um, reinstated, I guess is the, probably the, the term. Um, but yeah, if they don't do it, Facebook's gonna have to pay up, but I'll, I'll be watching this. This it, is going to be interesting. I, you know, I was looking at it like people who were just talking about this is like, well, yeah, Facebook, they knew that they were going to ultimately get fine. But I think Facebook was thinking that, yeah, we're going to get fine. Like it, it makes more sense for us to just let, 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 let's let the governments figure out what they want to do. And if there's like a little fine or something like that, we'll pay it because doing business is actually, uh, you know, it is is better to do business and pay the fine than it is to actually not do business and not have to pay the fine. But they weren't expecting a one point, you know, three billion dollar fine. I don't, I don't think anybody was expecting that. And like the EU is literally laying the hammer down on them with this one, and they can't, they can't do anymore. They're saying, no, you cannot do this. We will continually fine you if you keep doing these things. That's so. right, and it's about time. And it's just like, yeah. like I said, the United States is just absolutely ridiculous and you know, needs to get on board with, with similar type of protections for, for their citizens. And it's like, you know, I have in, in like the last four or five years, I have done a fair amount of international travel. I've been to Australia. I've been to the UK multiple times. Um, I've been to Germany once. Um, they roll different on their privacy than we do here. Like stuff mm-hmm. that companies can get away with here over there would they they would find you almost out of existence on a lot of things and and they are like i said this is you know if, if this were to happen here do you do you think that if this was to happen here the facebook would be getting fined 1.4 billion american dollars they they might get a fine but it's not going to be that big this is happening here yes. and they're not getting fined. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 so, that, yeah. I, I buried that part. That. Yeah. It is happening. Here. It's legal here. It's legal here for them to do these things. But I'm just saying, if it were, if they were violating, it's like the Cambridge Analytica, you know, you know I can't remember, but what was the, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. I don't think it was 1.4 billion American dollars though. It was, it was not that big. So, um, and just kind of keeping with, uh, you know, not necessarily fines, but just kind of keeping with security and stuff like that. You know, we get into this last story where we want to talk about your, your data. You, you thought your data was safe. If, uh, the, you know, if the government needed a warrant or if there are actual constitutional rights that you have that says, no, you cannot have access to this data. Nah, son. It's like, uh, well, wait a minute. We can't. We don't really want to get a warrant or it's illegal for us to get it even with one. What if we just buy it? Okay, cool. No problem. Right. Crazy. So when uh, the Biden administration proposed new protections earlier this month to prevent law enforcement from demanding reproductive health care data from companies, uh, they took a critical first step in protecting our personal data. But there remains a different serious gap in data privacy that Congress needs to address. So while the Constitution does prevent the government from compelling companies to turn over your sensitive data without due process, there are no laws or regulations stopping them from just buying it. And the government, the FBI, you know, tons of the military, you know, all t- different types of government agencies have been buying our data from shady ass data brokers for years and years and years. And there's basically nothing we can do about it. 
I want to make this as plain as possible. So regular folks is listening, understand what we're talking about. So let's say you have a theater and it's private property and the police come to the gate at the theater and say, we want to come in and look around and see if crime is going on. And the theater says, no, you need to go get a warrant. And then the police say, well, what if we buy a ticket? And then they say, cool, no problem. That is literally what is happening here. It's like (laughs) you need to go through the court to be, you know, to get this data. What if we just buy it? Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. You could buy it from us. Uh, Here's our price. We could buy this data. You can't make us give it to you. But you can't make us give it to you. I'm like, no sense at all. And it's like, you know, we stay looking for loopholes in this joker over here. We, I mean, we, we really do. It's like we're going to get because, around laws by just buying data, the data. Well, the thing is, because this data is sold on the open market, the government doesn't need to compel anyone to provide it. They can simply purchase it without any oversight or legal ramifications. So so if these platforms weren't selling our data in the first place, if mm-hmm. we weren't product to all of these platforms in the first place, which is this is what we are. We are product to them. If they weren't selling it, we, you know, we, w- this wouldn't be an issue, but because they're selling it anyway to, to the highest bidder, you know, ain't nobody got to force nobody to do nothing. We'll, ju- we'll just go and buy it. And we've talked about this before. It's like, you think the companies, when they say, no, we, under no circumstances are we going to turn your information over to the government? They ain't standing on principle. They're standing on stacks of, of, of checks that have been cashed. Right. It's like, if you, if you make the stand that we're not going to sell your, or not sell, we're not going to give your data to the government, but we'll sell your data to the government. Right. Come on now. So Come on now. And, and two faced. So two faced. I would be curious to know how much the government has spent on data, you know, over the time that they've been doing this. So it's, it's, you know, and it's a variety of different uses. Like, you know, ICE has been purchasing data, um, for, um, you know, immigration purposes, um, you know, people looking for geolocation data for abortion clinics, like all kinds of stuff. It's just, there's, there is no privacy. Privacy is just complete fiction anymore in this country. And, and it does not look like there will ever be, I, I can't see that there would ever be a time when, um, Congress makes this practice illegal. I, I just don't see that happening. It's too much money changing hands. The thing that has to happen is people have to get to the point to where they say we have had enough of it. And I'll be honest, I don't know that I ever see that come. I, I don't know that we will ever get to a point to where people are going to say, I don't want all of these fabulous things that the internet and companies that have built stuff on top of the internet are giving me in exchange for my privacy. I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not in bad places. Yeah. And, that's and that, everybody's argument. If you're not doing anything, why do you care what they know about you? And if they have your day, I'm like, because it's the principle. Yes. The principality is about it. So I honestly don't know that it's going to change because of people wanting it to change. The only way that I see it changing is because the government is going to be so concerned about what foreign countries, foreign entities are getting out of here that they're going to. Well, because we're worried about how this data goes out of the of the country, we need to put some safeguards on it for the people. So we might get security by a byproduct of us not, you know, being worried about exactly. 
And and to Saray's point and, and the last point in the article as well, um, to make matters worse, the data being sold to these powerful institutions may not even be accurate. In addition to be vulnerable, being vulnerable to hacking, information from data brokers often relies on discriminatory algorithms and biases and can still often mistake your age, ethnicity and religion when creating profiles. So when government takes law enforcement action based on inaccurate data, the rights of all Americans get put at risk. So we, not only are you buying data, you buying bad data um, and, and out here kicking in doors, you know, based on bad data. We were just talking about a couple of weeks ago on the show about how in the UK, they have they are now putting some safeguards in place to where you can't use algorithms to predict people's behavior and then actually use law enforcement to go after it. So they're, they're at least thinking about that. It's like right now here, that is completely cool. Um, You know, pre-crime. America needs an enema as, as Jack Nicholson said. So I didn't put this story in the notes, but uh, I just saw something pop up on my screen about it and we should probably mention it. But did you know that we now have one state where TikTok has actually been banned? Montana. Yes. Yeah. So they, they have actually banned it. Now it does not go in effect until I believe uh, January of next year. But we actually have a state that is, yeah, you know, for all the reasons we've talked about, they said that they're, they're now banning it. They ain't going to be the last. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to enforce it. I just, I just don't see that happening. I mean, VPNs exist. So, um, and, and well, I don't even know that you would have to use a VPN. Because they're what they're blocking is the ability to download the apps from app stores. And so that'll that'll be blocked at the app store level. It's like, you know, if the app store has you geolocated oh, in the state. But like, yeah, you can still get it. You can, so if you already have the app, you can still use it. You can still you can still do what you're doing. Um to me, this seems like they're just testing. It's like, okay, we'll go ahead and go first. Let's see what other states do. Right. Uh, and come behind us. So, like, so that's why we didn't even have it as a main story because it's kind of just like a, a real quick hit thing. But I just figured I'd throw it out there that we do now have w- at least one state. Well, it is at least it is one state, the state of Colorado or not Colorado, um, Montana, Montana that has actually uh, banned TikTok and it'll be coming up next year. So, um, I, I, I will say this. It does inject uncertainty into being a TikTok influencer. If if I were if I were on TikTok and that was my main thing, I would be looking at Instagram. I would be looking well, at other stuff. At this, at this point, anybody that is claiming to be an influencer um, that has not really taken all of this into account and is building out their own platforms. I mean, I understand that sometimes young people are influencers and they blow up and they don't really understand what's going on and they go viral and, you know, are not, you know, establishing a website and, and doing all this stuff, different stuff. But, but for people who, who are legitimately trying to make a living as an influencer, um, you know, I, I, and I'll just say eight, plus people who are 18 and above who are legitimately trying to make money as an influencer who have not um, put some other structures in place in addition to whatever social media platform that they are on most prominently, 
then then that's your own fault. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't rely on any of these platforms for anything. So you need to have your own website, your own merch, your own whatever, um, your own properties, your own digital properties um, that people can also access you at um, so that when things like this happen, you are not out of business. So that's just my plug yeah, for so understanding I, the, the business of influence. I, I was in a conversation today, actually, about just I asked a question on Twitter. What would you rather have? 10,000 followers on social media or 1,000 followers on email. Now, my audience, the people who are listening to me on Twitter, they mostly are content creators. So almost everyone to a person absolutely said they'd rather have the email because you can, it, you know, you own the email, you know, you own the email list. You actually control that. You're That's not, right. you're not at the hands of, or, you know, at the mercy of some other company and you're not part of some other company's business model. Um, but there were a few folks who actually said, that uh, they would rather have the, you know, the users. And in one case, uh, one person said it was like, you know, because I'd rather have the users over here. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to them more and I don't want to tell anybody that they're wrong. Um, I just say there's a whole lot of data that does not back, <laughs> does not back that up. Exactly. But what was really funny is that somebody says, well, you know, well, I own my users on social media too. It's like, this is, it's my listen. It's like, well, you didn't own them yesterday. You didn't own them over the weekend when Instagram went down for like three and a half hours. And, right. it, and, and he actually, the guy came back and said, touche. It's like, yeah, you got me on that. That was a good point, but you're right. It's like, if you, if you are just on TikTok and TikTok goes away, you don't have a platform. It, 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 it left, you know, you were deplatformed essentially. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Like you said, I don't see how they're going to enforce it. I don't even know if it'll actually get to the point to where it goes to, inf- no. you know, to, to actually it, be inactive. I don't think it will either. But, uh, I, I don't think I, they're going to be think, the last date that'll do it. Somebody else is going to do it. I feel like, I feel like folks are waiting to, waiting for TikTok to do something. And I don't know whether that is, you know, the pay, I think about, you know, in Philadelphia, uh, we just had our, um, democratic primary for mayor and, and there were like a bunch of people in the race, some of whom should not have been there at all, uh, who were basically waiting for their payout to drop out of the race and, and not split the vote so much and, and yada, yada, yada. I feel like there are some people waiting for TikTok to do something similar and just haven't been satisfied with whatever, um, you know, offer or, or, or compromise or, or whatever that TikTok has done yet. And, and I just feel like they're waiting for, for something. I feel like they're waiting for something. And, and once they get it, you know, suddenly all of this TikTok hate and, and, and talk of banning is going to go away. But, you know, I'm not sure what that thing is necessarily. You know, I'm sure TikTok has already lined a bunch of pockets um, and they just haven't lined the right one yet uh, or or given them the right amount of money or, or whatever, whatever that thing is. It may not even be money, but whatever that thing is, um, you know, pe- people, people in power haven't gotten it yet. But when they do, all of this will be forgiven. I'm just going to end it with this. TikTok is the most popular website in the world. You think it would be Google. You think it would be that it would be YouTube. They are not. They're two and three. It, it, TikTok is the most popular website in the world. Yeah. So you would think that even if the people running ByteDance aren't incredibly smart people running the most popular website in the world, they have to be smart enough to know that we're not going to just allow this to go to zero. 
Um, we're, we're not going to just, you know, we're, we're not going to allow them to just turn off the billions of dollars that we make, uh, you know, in the United States. So they will figure something out. Something's going to get figured out. So Steph, you have a spotlight this week. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about Dr. Lisa Dyson? All right. Dr. Lisa Dyson is a mission-driven serial entrepreneur with a passion for creative problem solving. She is the founder and CEO of Air Protein, a world economic forum technology pioneer company that is reinventing how food is produced in order to sustainably feed 10 billion people by 2050. Air Protein makes meat meat, M-E-A-T, from elements of the air. Dr. Dyson is the founder and chair of Caverity, a biotechnology company working with corporations to make the circular economy a reality by remaking supply chains to manufacture goods using carbon dioxide as a building block. Raised by an entrepreneur, Dr. Dyson was able to see ideas come to fruition through her upbringing. As a scientist and entrepreneur at her core, she has been taught to solve problems. While a management consulting at the Boston Consulting Group, she worked with executives of Fortune 100 companies to help them solve business problems, including developing high-impact strategies and execution plans to expand into new markets, facilitate post-merger integrations, define international governance models, and identify millions of dollars in operational cost and efficiencies. Dr. Dyson had the privilege of conducting research in bioengineering, physics, and energy with great scientists and engineers while at Stanford University, the University of California, Berkeley, Princeton University, the University of California, San Francisco, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratories. She has a PhD in physics from MIT, where she conducted research in string theory. She was a Fulbright scholar at the University of London, where she received an MS in physics with an emphasis in quantum fields and fundamental forces. And she has degrees in mathematics and physics from Brandeis University. Dr. Dyson is a thought leader in sustainability and the circular economy and has given a TED talk that has received over 1.5 million views. And just a quick list of a few of her awards. She was Inc. Magazine's top 100 female founders in 2019. She received a 2019 Verge Vanguard Award. She was a 2018 United Nations Global Citizens Awardee. Uh, Women in Natural Sciences, a 2018 uh, Wins 35 Award. She was uh, Fast Company, 100 Most Creative People in 2017. Uh, She made the San Francisco Business Times Forever Influential Honor Roll. And she got the C3E Award from MIT and the Department of Energy. So she is a genius who took, um, and I, I went and watched her TEDx where she talked about this particular technology. Uh, NASA had actually started down the road of using the technology of um, pulling carbon dioxide out of the air and using the carbon in that to create um proteins or or anything really um, because they were looking at how to sustainably 
um, have food sources for long distance space travel. And they didn't end up doing anything with that. But she took that technology and is literally creating meat and seafood. I think they've already already created air chicken, as she calls it, um, and air shrimp and sca- and air scallops out of carbon di- dioxide. You're literally making uh, food from, from air. It, it's just, it so, boggles my mind. So I, I need you to dumb this down a little bit for me. Did you just say she built a replicator from Star Trek? Is, is that is yes. that what I heard you say? And, and that's pretty much. Uh, she, pretty she, much. She, she built a food replicator. Okay, she, she built a food replicator. You had me when you said doctorates from MIT working in string theory and a full string theory. String right? theory. I mean that 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 is like that's some new stuff. That alone. That's yeah, that's some that new alone. stuff. String theory and a what, Fulbright, Fulbright uh, scholar, Fulbright scholar at Oxford. In physics, yes. Yeah. Um, She's the truth. She's she probably the truth. is a card carrying member of Mensa. Oh, easily. And and she made food from air. Like, <laughs> she built the replicator, y'all. People breathe out carbon dioxide. She there are she she talked about these microbiomes that are able to take the carbon dioxide and make carbon, recreate carbon. And and we are all carbon based beings, animals as well. Meat is a carbon based uh, item or, or product and food is a carb food is carbon based. So when you take the carbon out of the CO2, you can make stuff into carbon, make carbon based things from this carbon. So it's just I, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that we can literally make food out of thin air, like thin air. Yeah. That, I, I, when I read this, I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't right. I'd never heard of this before, but I'm like, never. Never it's like so wait i want to understand so like you suck in air and you create protein from it it's she built the replicator she built the replicator <laughs> she built the replicator so and y'all they've actually raised it, it they've raised a fair amount of money it's interesting that they have not already raised a billion dollar i mean i'm not sure why this is not already a billion dollar um company it has a billion dollar valuation i think they've raised about 74 million dollars at this point um but why, you know, I don't know how expensive the process is right now to do this um, and how scalable it is right now. But I'm just like, this basically solves world hunger. You know what I mean? And the idea that that you don't have VCs running to throw bags of money at this woman um, is, is a problem, it is a real problem. And, and, I, and I wonder what maybe is hmm. the... You know, I'm wondering why this woman does not have, and she got a white male co-founder, so it's kind of like, like get the money to him. I just, I just get can't the money call to it. somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, just do something and use this technology for its intended purpose, and and solve world hunger. I mean, like, come on, it's right there in my head right now. I'm thinking, in all, if if they were to actually zoom in on any Star Trek episode where they got a replicator, they were to zoom in. It would have a little logo with Dyson on the side of it. That, that that's that's just what's in my head right now. I know I'm making Air that up, protein. but that's that's what's in my head right now. So Tech Life Stuff, why don't you tell the folks how they can get at you? Let's go ahead and get up and wrap this show up. Oh, you know what? We can't. You know why? Because we got a raise. I gotta actually gotta I gotta it. gotta do it. I'm glad I looked at I'm glad I looked at the bottom. I wrote it down for a reason. We have to shout out Becky Kung 
and her boyfriend because Uh-oh. Becky Becky has been a patron, I believe, since September, October last year. But she actually wrote us a nice note. She was saying how uh, she, who's technical, and her boyfriend, who is not, they both really enjoy the show and felt like we needed a raise. So she has actually Aww. given us a raise this week. So that's like two weeks in a row. We even got a raise. Thank so, you, Becky. So Becky Kung, we want to shout and you out and thank you very much. Absolutely. So now, Tech Life Steph, tell us, tell the folks how they can get at you. You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph or check out my website at stephaniehumphrey.com. I am at rubbed up. Ah, let me say my own name. I am at rubbed Rob up Dunwood up. on all of the things. We are also at the Tech John on all the things. And if you'd like to, like Becky, support the show in any way where you're going to get access to our after party, you'll get access to ad free streams for your RSS. You can head over to the tech John.com forward slash Patreon or head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John. Either one works. And if you become a patron over there, we're going to shout you out on the show, but it also is going to get you access to some of those other benefits. And, and you are helping us bring the tech to you the way that we bring it to you. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get up out of here and we holler at you in a week's time. Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.